message. We're going to keep talking about 1 Peter chapter 1, and, and we're talking about through the noise. How do we navigate life in our world with all the noise that's around us? So I'm going to start with a question today. Here's the question. How many of you would want to get out of bed Monday if you knew this week was going to bring you some of the most difficult trials of your life? <laughs> You're like, I'm not even going to acknowledge the question. I don't even want to know that you asked that. I can't tell you what the, what the trials would be. But they were going to be some of the worst of your life. No one's signing up for that trip, are they? No. Now, how many of you are thinking, if that were the case, could I just sleep through the week? Right? That'd be, that'd be easier. Let's just sleep through the week. All right, let, let's go to the other side. How many of you, if I were to tell you that this week was going to be the best week of your life, would be like, I'm ready to go Monday morning? Huh? Yeah, that's a lot more encouraging, isn't it? I mean, you're like, all right, let's do it. We're not so apt to say that when it comes to the things that would involve trial. We, that's not really what we want to do. We don't really want to do trial in our life. We don't want to really do suffering. That, that's not the part of the equation we, we want to see. We want to see the fun part. We want to see the, man, this is the best week of my life. Because when you know, when you know this week is going to be incredible, you're like, there's people gone this weekend, right? There are people gone from church because they're on vacation at like a Southern Gospel sing time, right? I mean, like they looked forward to that. They couldn't believe, I mean, they're like, I can't wait to go. See, they're, they're like, like, that's amazing, right? And if you know that you got something coming like that or whatever, you're, you're like, this is so, I can't wait to go. You, you're, you're so looking forward to that, the time with family, whatever it is, friends, whatever. You're just like, I can't wait to be there and to do this. It's incredible because you're hopeful. There's just things that are coming. There's expectation. You're, you're just, you just can't wait to do it. And there's something powerful about hope. Hope brings a bounce in your step. It brings life into our worn out bodies. I mean, hope can do a lot of things. And that's exactly what happened to the followers of Jesus. In the days and years after his death and resurrection, they had hope and it changed their lives. It didn't matter what they faced. They had hope. If they faced difficulty, they put it in the proper perspective and had hope. It's actually possible to experience both of those at the same time. It's actually possible to experience some of the most difficult moments of life and also have hope in the midst of them. It's, all, it's possible to have difficult trials and also see God's provision and his, his strength and his, and his provision in the midst of that, that that brings hope and just understanding that everything's going to be okay. In fact, I think that's what Peter was writing to the churches in this letter. And this morning we're looking at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 12. And I want you to understand that is exactly what Peter is writing to the people, the provinces of Asia. So we look at 1 Peter 1, we're going to see that Peter was preparing the people for trials and for hope. He was helping them to have proper perspective when times were bad as well as good. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will be bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when He told them in advance about Christ's suffering and His great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also so, so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Let's take a little closer look at what Peter is saying. Remember that Peter is writing to the people in the church in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia all of which would be in what's now Turkey. They were under Roman rule. And it wasn't exactly the best environment for following Jesus. But no matter what they experienced, they were to praise God. And that is how Peter starts the section with verse 3. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter uses a term here that was unused, unknown for 4,000 years prior to this time frame. Prior to this time frame in the history of Israel, they didn't understand this term. They couldn't know this term. They couldn't know there was a Lord Jesus Christ. The prophets had talked about a Messiah, but that was all they knew. But here you have a people just like many of us with no connection to the nation of Israel recognizing salvation has been made available to them as well as the Jewish people living among them. They, they understand Peter recognized and was communicating to the people a truth we understand, but I'm not sure we completely grasp. That it is by God's great mercy that we have been born again. We've experienced salvation because of His mercy, because of His grace. Peter recognized it. Peter understood it. We've experienced salvation not because of our goodness or our importance, but because of God's mercy. And that never changes. There's nothing good that we have that isn't because of God's mercy and His goodness. Salvation is ours because of God's mercy. We don't deserve forgiveness. 
We actually deserve judgment. But God gives us eternal life and salvation. All made possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, when we look at this, it's, it's so interesting for us to, to understand what Jesus has done for us. That we understand that we have been born again. And, I, you know, that brings the terminologies back with Nicodemus and that whole thing. And at times in our culture, that those words alone bring derision. They're used as a, as a, a term of mockery at times, born again. But, you know, that's one of those that we need to understand. It is, it is about being a follower of Jesus. It's about being his children. And we have to see that and understand that. Romans tells us in Romans 8, 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us to us later. Think about that in order to understand salvation, in order to share in the the. the privilege we have in, in being his heirs and his friends, we have to actually share in suffering as well. But with that suffering, with that realization, Peter goes on to write at kind of the end of verse 3 and all of verse 4, he says, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Peter was writing for himself and his fellow believers who understood what he was writing. They understood salvation was theirs, but salvation wasn't just an earthly experience. It has to be experienced on earth, but it's not just an earthly experience. It's to be experienced here, but it's a reward that's in heaven. Think about it. Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. There are no do-overs in this life. You get one shot at this life. Now, I understand there's all kinds of second chances. God gives all kinds, but there's one life. There's only one. There's no reincarnation. There's no second chances after death. Because Peter knew Jesus and was following him. He lived with great expectation. Expectation and hope are one and the same. Peter knew his salvation was real, and he expected Jesus to return for his church at any point. We must live with that same expectation. We must be thinking about Jesus returning for us as the church did in the first century. Salvation will bring about an inheritance that is being kept for us in heaven. As followers of Jesus, we must grasp that we have a great inheritance I know that there's many of us in the room that dream of that, right? I mean, how many of us don't like, like, wait for the rich uncle, right? I mean, you're wanting somebody to leave you in the will, right? I mean, somewhere you want to have some distant relative. You don't want them to die, but when they do, you would like for them to leave a few things for you. All right, so I'm the only one. Forget it. I mean, I think that I've heard it enough times that people want to 
have somebody leave money for him so we can sit back and just kind of enjoy life. The reality is we have a great inheritance coming, but it won't be in this life. Some of you may get some inheritance in this life, but the inheritance I'm talking about is in heaven. And it cannot be wiped out by the stock market or war. It is pure and undefiled, waiting for us to receive it. Peter states that the inheritance waiting for the followers of Jesus can never perish. Meaning it's never going to pass away. It's never going to disappear. It's never going to come to ruin as a result of hostile forces. It never will spoil. It will always be good. It'll never become unfit for us or polluted by sin. And it won't fade away. And think about it. It won't lose its glory or its freshness. It will never die. These words kind of contrast with everything earthly and and human possessions. We know that there's none of them. I I saw a picture this week. I should have brought it with me. Um, There was a U-Haul hooked up to the hearse. And I saw the picture. I should have got it. But but you're not taking it. It's not going with you. But God has made this inheritance indestructible, existing for all eternity. That's what awaits believers. That's what awaits the follower of Jesus. And it's with that expectation that Peter lived with. And that's what the early church lived with. It lived with this great expectation and knowing no matter what they experience, there's this, there's this inheritance waiting that we're going to get to at some point in time. He continues on in verse 5. He says, through Through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And it brings up a question. When you talk about God is protecting you, the questions come up like, if God is protecting followers of Jesus, why do bad things happen? Why are lives cut short? Why why do followers of Jesus suffer at times? But it actually misses the point of what God is protecting. Realizing that, yeah, we're going to experience all kinds of difficulty, trial, whatever, and, and, and we're going to go through certain things, and there's times that lives are going to be cut short. And if you ask followers of Jesus around the world, there's followers of Jesus, they're very devout people that, that are following Jesus, no sinner lives, and they're experiencing persecution and, and torture because of their faith in Christ. And so God is protecting us, in order to walk through those times that we're faced with. God's grace is sufficient for what we face. God's, God's grace and strength in us is sufficient for the, the, the path that we have to journey. So when we're in the midst of difficulty, what we're asking and what we're calling on God for is, God, give me your grace, give me your strength, give me your power to walk through this thing that I've got to walk through. That's what, that's what God is protecting. He is protecting us by his power in order to help us navigate the journey that we're on. God is protecting us by his power until we receive the salvation. The salvation will be revealed on that last day. And this is talking about our inheritance in heaven. It's about that. There, there is going to be difficulty in this life. Anyone who tells you that Christians and followers of Jesus are exempt from suffering and difficulty are wrong. They they must believe something different than what Jesus and the disciples believe. They must think they're better than Jesus and the disciples, all of whom suffered in ways we cannot begin to understand as Christians in America. 
Jesus did say something along these lines. If you want to be my disciple, you will take up your cross and follow me. And so far, I've yet to see a cross that I want to actually pick up. I don't want to get nailed to a cross. There's nothing about that picture that makes me feel good. And I don't know that that's what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to a life of honoring him no matter what we go through. No matter what we experience, he's calling us to follow him and have faith for Faith for the journey and strength for the trial. He continues in verse 6, Peter does. He says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now, wonderful joy ahead. I mean, this brings me to this whole thing. I, I, you think of all this trial thing, and it's hard. I mean, how many of you are seriously like, I asked the question earlier, how many of you really want to get up if you know this is going to be a rough week and you're going to suffer? No, we don't want to get up. We don't want to get out of bed. I mean, we just want to stay there. So, but, but, but Peter is saying, be glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Look, even in the midst of trial, there's joy. You may endure trials for a little while, but, but there's joy ahead. So no matter what we face, he's saying, look, if you face trial, if you face suffering, there's joy ahead. You have to look that direction. You have to keep your eyes focused in that place because God is with you. And you've got to know that. Hebrews 12 puts it to us this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. In another version, that last verse is, I believe, something along of, you have not yet resisted to the shedding of blood. Look, because of the joy awaiting Jesus, he endured the cross. Because of the joy awaiting us, we ought to endure whatever trials come our way. In fact, Peter goes on to tell us, and the people of the first century, that the trials that we experience serve a purpose. <sighs> Why do we want that? It's much easier if we don't have to go through things like that. Seriously, I don't really want to go through trials. But, but, but Peter continues in verse 7 and says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So your, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Trials show our faith is genuine. What trials are we talking about? Any kind of difficulty or something more specific? I would suggest to you that Peter has in mind here trials that come as, as a result of following Jesus. The persecution and difficulty that comes as a result of following Jesus, not self-inflicted trial. Some trials we experience are a result of our decisions and had nothing to do with our faith in Christ. I'll give you a wacky one. But such as like not getting up in the morning and getting fired. Okay? That's part of the reason why even if we know trials are coming, we tend to get up in the morning because we like to eat. Okay? And so going to work actually helps us with that. 
But I think what Peter is saying here is it's suffering for salvation. Suffering for salvation is when your own grandmother doesn't come to your wedding because of your decision to follow Jesus. Suffering for salvation is when you're sentenced to die because you converted from Islam to following Jesus. Suffering for Jesus is when a student who comes to faith takes a stand on their campus and they begin to communicate their faith or and or they have changed their pattern of behavior because of coming to faith. They begin to get ridiculed because of the faith, because of salvation. That, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about suffering. And, and it can get to the place where when we, we have a hard time in, in, in this country acknowledging or understanding the suffering that can take place in their places. But when you're kicked out of your family because you decide to follow Jesus, that would be suffering. That, that's, that's suffering. Now, and I know that there's other things that we're going to face, but, but we struggle to really understand that in, in the United States. But it's probably going to become more real. It's becoming more opportunity for us to suffer. It's just the way it works. God is that way. He's going to allow us and help us in those places. Well, here's, here's what I know. I know that when the place, when the church is in suffering, when the church is in struggle, it grows. When the church is in comfort, it doesn't. So that's part of the thing that we have to recognize, that if, if we'll see that, that, that in the moments we're living, it's hard for us to recognize it. But here's my fear. My fear is that we as followers of Jesus aren't exactly making the real issue the main thing. See, the real issue today is not political belief. It's not economic belief. There's persecution and disagreement that come with that. But the main thing should be Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was the message of the first century church. That, that's what brought the persecution. And if we really begin to communicate the power of Jesus and the exclusivity of Jesus, we will experience more suffering than we do. Now, I, want, I, I do think how we live and react when we face trials and adversity that are n- normal in our lives, that, that we experience it confirms our faith. See, when we go through things like we're in the hospital and we get a bad diagnosis or we go to the doctor and get a bad diagnosis, how we react to that confirms our faith. See, if we, if we get bad diagnosis and it destroys our trust in God, something's wrong with our relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying I want to stay there, okay? I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I'm like, oh, thanks, I'm going to pray. Look, I have this theory towards, towards, towards prayer, okay, and, and healing. Until the day I die, I want people praying for my healing, okay? I mean, it's just the way I, I just, I want to live a full life. I want to live life, and, and it's just something that's in all of us, that we want to live life, and we want to live a quality of life that, that should be powerful. And, 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 like, if I have sickness, I want to be prayed for. I want to be healed. But you know what? For the most part in America, that's not our first response. Our first response when we get sickness tends to be medical. I'm not saying anything wrong with medical. I love people who are doctors. 
I love that. I mean, in the medical world, I love that because we like it, right? I mean, it's good. But you know what our first thing ought to be? God, help me. That ought to be our first response. Lord, I need your healing touch in my body. That's what I need. And I'm going to go to the doctor, and he might better help me. But I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do both because God works through both. But the bottom line is, in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty, what does that response look like? That tells us a lot about our faith in God. James gives us more perspective. I almost quoted earlier because I, I, I know it just by heart. But James 1, 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. <laughs> Not so happy about that. But that's exactly what James is saying. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now look, look, understand that when Peter and James are writing these things, they're in the face of adversity to the point of death. That they know that their decisions, what they make in their decisions in their lives, it could lead to them dying. And what do they say? James, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Thank you very much. Yes, I can't wait. Now, there wasn't anybody in the room that said, hey, if I know this is going to be a horrible week, man, I'm, I'm like, yeah, let's go. James would have. Peter would have. The early church would have. And I want to be there. Look, I don't want to go through trial. Okay, it's not like I'm signing up, like, everybody, like, I go out there, I got four flat tires, because you guys all knifed them, you know, I mean, I'm not signing up, it's not what I'm asking for, I'm not asking for trial, but I'm saying when I end up in those moments, I'm, I want my response, I want my default response to be, thank you, Jesus, that I am with you, not that I got this junk to deal with, but thank you, Jesus, that I've got so great of a salvation, I'm looking forward to, this stuff is meaningless, this, this is this is insignificant to me. I can't wait to be in heaven. That, that's a different perspective. That's what they were living with. They lived with that perspective. I want that to be true of me. I want that to be my default response. I'm not suggesting we should go looking for suffering. But we shouldn't avoid it either. I believe if we will live lives fully devoted to following Jesus... Trials and suffering will find us as a result of our following Jesus. My prayer this morning is that all of us will have the strength to live lives so God-honoring that we will experience the persecution because of our faith and that we will have the spiritual strength to thrive in those moments. We look at the heroes of the Bible and remember them, not because they ran from difficulty. We admire them because they faced adversity and suffering and trusted God. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrew children, right? They, they, they survived when they shouldn't have. Their story is a whole lot different if they bow down when the music's played. No one even knows their names if they bow down when the music's played. But they didn't. And we shouldn't eat. 
I believe this takes wisdom and discernment to know when to stand and how to do so with grace. Because I think that's part of the equation. See, I think God is asking believers, followers of Christ today, he's asking us to walk through this culture that we live in with discernment and grace and wisdom. And if we walk through it with discernment, grace and wisdom and we're communicating Jesus and we suffer, then consider it pure joy. If we suffer for things that are insignificant, that's our own fault. If we choose, our, we choose some places we get into that he's not sending us, that's our problem. But if we're following him and we're going where he's telling us to go and doing the things he's telling us to do, then let's do it with grace, wisdom, discernment, and love. If you spend a little time just studying the life of Jesus, you, you begin to see how Jesus navigated those things. And he, he was harsh with people within the church, but, but outside the church, people who were not followers, who, who were not religious understanding, he, he had great grace and kindness for them and, and discernment and love. And he understood how to, to navigate that journey with them. And he, and he found ways to communicate his truth. And they responded to his love and his forgiveness. And I think that's exactly what he's asking for us. He's asking us to do the same. So this morning, I'm asking for this commitment. I'm asking this commitment from all of us. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, because we'll get to that in just a second. But, but I'm asking for this commitment. Wherever we find ourselves... We're follower of Jesus, and we're committed, and we're just thriving with walking with God. I'm asking for every one of us to live for Jesus as we know we should. I'm asking you once again to commit your life to following Christ, no matter what the cost is. Recognizing you are signing up. For rejection, trial, and suffering. I'm asking you to commit like Peter was committed to when he's writing this letter to those people in modern day Turkey saying, understand. You have a salvation that's waiting for you. It cannot be ruined. It cannot be destroyed. It's in heaven. It's there. It's waiting for you. Just follow Christ with the eyes focused on the prize. That's why the writer of Hebrews says it that way. Run the race as one who's going to get the prize. Run the race with perseverance. Run, Run the race marked out for you. Run the race that God has given you to run. And it's going to include some difficulty. It's going to include some, some times that you'd prefer not to be there. Consider it joy. Thrive in those moments because you're a follower of Jesus and, and, and this is not your home. That's what Peter's saying. That's what I'm challenging you towards t- this morning. So that's for everybody in the room. There may be some in the room don't even know what it means to follow Jesus. And you're not sure you want to now. <laughs> you're like, I don't want to sign up for that. Look, I'm not asking you to sign up for something that's easy. I'm actually telling you that 
it's the greatest decision you're ever going to make because you have a salvation and an inheritance that's in heaven. Your life on this planet may not be easy. But your life in heaven will be great. So this morning, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you want to be, if you know you've been living life in a way that doesn't honor God, you recognize that you are suffering and you're going through trials and you have no joy, that might be a sign you need Jesus. Because if you're suffering and you're going through difficulty and some of it's self-inflicted, well, Jesus will help you with that. The great thing about Jesus is, like we sang earlier, even in the brokenness, even in our pain, even in the things that we have created, He will bring new. He can make new out of the brokenness of our lives. And that's the opportunity we're given here today. So this morning, Pastor Chris and the team are going to lead us in just a moment. And there's going to be some prayer team people up here. You're not going to know them, but that's okay. If you want prayer and you want to follow Jesus, talk to them. Come up and pray with them. If you want to follow Jesus and you've never decided to follow Jesus before or, or you have and you just want to rec- find me after service, I'd love to talk to you. I've got a book to give you. Something to help you on the journey. If you need prayer for anything this morning, if you're going through something physical and you need healing, there's going to be some people up front here that want to pray with you. Just believe God will heal this morning. Because God is a healer. He is the healer. He is the man. There's no one like him. If you need healing, I believe he's here to heal this morning. Because that's who he is. If you need prayer for any other reason, you need wisdom, you need anything, come and find one of these prayer teams to pray with. They would enjoy a moment to just pray with you. Jesus, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for all you're doing. Lord, I pray in these closing moments, Lord, would you just speak? Would you do what you want to do? Lord, would you heal? Would you set free? Would you God, work in people's lives today? And Lord, for all of us, would we recognize the incredible inheritance that's waiting for us in heaven? And Lord, may we look through that prism, through that lens, and see everything else of life. May everything that we experience be impacted by the reality of our salvation, by our inheritance in heaven. Lord, may that help us to have right perspective in all the things that we go through. For all the things that we're going through. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name.